Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Brownstein Policy Director Elizabeth Gore and Policy Advisor Darian Flowers join Strategic Advisor Senator Mark Begich for a discussion on the FAA reauthorization that expires on September 30th. The group discusses if this bill will get delayed given other legislative priorities, the challenges it could face in the House and Senate, as well as the possibility of air traffic control privatization. Welcome to the Brownstein Podcast. I'm joined by Elizabeth Gore, Policy Director and serves as Chair of the Brownstein Government Relations Department and has more than 20 years of experience in democratic politics and advocacy. She works as a strategist and lobbyist here at Brownstein with a wide range of clients navigating Capitol Hill and executive agencies on their behalf. I'm also joined by Darian Flowers, policy advisor, and has joined Brownstein from the office of Senator Bill Cassidy, where he acted as Senator Cassidy's principal staff member for aviation, commerce, science, transportation, technology, homeland security, infrastructure, housing, telecommunications, and government affairs issues. Not, you know, just a small portfolio. Just not healthcare when you work for Not healthcare. That's actually uh, probably good for you. Um, but we're here to talk about FAA reauthorization. Now, this is a bill that... Um, I sat on that committee in commerce, and it's it's the most painful bill, but should be the simplest bill. Uh, and so, this expires September thirtieth, twenty seventeen. What what what's going to happen, Darian? You know, Senator, there's a strong effort in both chambers to advance their respective bills prior to the September deadline. However, I think both bills uh, have their individual challenges, and if history. Uh, gives any indication of how this package is going to proceed, I think we're looking towards another series of extensions. As most folks know, the House bill is almost in, uh, singularly focused on this idea of privatizing the air traffic control system. Which itself is, I don't know, controversial. Yeah, it's controversial, <laughs> uh, but it, it's surprisingly controversial not on political lines, even though it's starting to kind of sh- to shore up that way. It's urban-rural. But, it, it, but it's regional. Yes. It's regional, right? You've got folks from uh, in, the, in the West, folks who have a strong affinity for general aviation in their respective districts or states, and then you've got folks who represent large hub airports or who have constituencies of um, kind of the classic mainline airlines. And the the effort is really the crux of, uh, the crux of that issue is do do we spin off the ATC operation within the FAA air traffic controller operation air traffic control because I think a lot of folks don't realize that the United States is the only Western country that actually has its air traffic control management entity co located within its civil aviation regulator um, and the fact is is that Chairman Schuster. Bill Schuster from Pennsylvania in the House has made this his main priority to bring the United States uh, in parallel with the rest of the world. So, Elizabeth, we're you know we got as the director of government relations here, department uh, in Brownstein. You know, you see all these different issues, right? You see health care, tax reform, debt ceiling, not small issues, and then this one comes along. How do you see this fit in this big picture? Well, I think we're certainly going to be seeing a logjam on the legislative schedule in September. Darian is exactly right. This bill has some challenges in both the House and Senate side. He was talking about the House bill, and 
It has this uh, air traffic control provision. The Senate bill has a has a training provision in it that um, has also garnered a lot of controversy. This is how many hours? How you many need hours? For training. Right, correct. And and that has put uh, Chairman John Thune, who's the um, Republican chairman of the um, Commerce Committee, which has jurisdiction over this legislation, at odds with um, Senator Charles Schumer, who's the Senate Democratic leader. And so uh, there is a big problem with with that bill really it's as about well. More or less training, exactly, right? exactly. And so you have a bill that has its own challenges, as Darian mentioned, and I agree with him that we'll probably see a some sort of an extension because in September we're also going to be uh, looking down the barrel of the gun on funding the federal government. That also expires the 30th of um, September. We're also going to be looking at a debt ceiling that's going to need to be increased. That's around the same time. And you have such slim margins, particularly in the Senate, that it's hard to see how all of these issues are going to move forward in any sort of quick time frame. Um, the Senate still hasn't quite decided what it's going to be doing on health care reform. Um, it looks as though that effort is is going to be stalled out and, and will be uh, set aside. But um, there could be a tail on that as well that goes into September. So I think this certainly gets delayed past the September time frame. And um, the challenge for a bill like this is it never it's hard then to get it back up to the top of the list it's hard to find a path to get it onto the senate floor particularly if it's mired in controversy or it has a few um, hurdles once it gets to the senate floor because it's just hard to find the time to devote to a bill like this and and didn't when you think of the fa bill if i remember right there's a part of the bill that also ensures there's funding authorization for construction on airports and projects and those don't stop. I mean, they continue, but they could stop if you have a bill that doesn't move forward, right? I mean, because that's a chunk of the, you know, these airports, some get 90% from the federal government for constructing runways and terminals and safety lights and all those pieces that make the uh, airports safe. And next gen is part of this equation, which a lot of people forget that's a multi-billion dollar public-private sector partnership to actually amazingly move our planes from uh, 1950s radar to, I don't know, GPS, which we have on our phones, which we use all the time to get around our communities when we're visiting a place or two. But our airport's don't really have that. No, Senator, it's, as you said, it's amazing that, uh, you know, the United States annually, uh, about 1 billion people fly throughout the United States annually. You know, consumer confidence is up in the uh, the aviation industry is seeing, especially uh, in civil aviation, is seeing an increase. The fact is, is that I don't think a lot of the traveling public know that that uh, their aircraft are moving basically on World War II era technology. Right. But to your point about uh, there could be significant um, impediments for these economic engines. Airports are economic engines in, huge. In, in communities, especially you know uh, in your uh, state of Alaska. Oh, yeah. the, the fact is, is that ec- airports are huge economic engines. And if there is a lapse in the authorization um, for the agency that you know administers these funds, that could have serious impacts. However... Uh, though, as Elizabeth said, it's more than likely uh, that Congress will just uh, take the previous bill, change the dates, and give <laughs> give our, give themselves you know a, an additional three months or six months. What was the record? Was it like twenty? I can't even remember. It was over twenty. Yeah, uh, over twenty six. Yeah, twenty six. Twenty six extensions, which. 
you know, highlights the crux of the problem in Washington at times, like in frustration that people have with Washington. Elizabeth, are you about to? Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. I do think that um, we're going to have an extension in September. And my guess is that Why don't we'll, they just do it now and be done with it and get on with the big issues? Well, because they want to deal with the policy issues that are included in the bill. But but here, I think that the, this is a little this round is a little bit different because there is going to be a window of opportunity um, coming up here in the next six or eight or 12 months uh, to fold this into a larger infrastructure package. Well, the uh, administration and congressional leaders have all committed to trying to move an infrastructure package that will focus some funding and some attention on improving this nature's this nation's infrastructure. And Darian very um, uh, helpfully laid out the problems with the antiquated uh, air traffic control system. You know, we also have some of those same challenges in other parts of our infrastructure across the country. So there is going to be an effort to do an infrastructure bill. And I think that um, if the leaders of the uh, transportation committees have their way, they'll fold this into that, and it will be um, a larger package that then may have the momentum that it can move through and include some of these policy changes um, that we've talked about. I, I'm not sure that the air traffic control privatization is a, a good policy measure, and I, I don't think we should do it just because everyone else does it. Um, but I, but I do think that those are debates that we should have, and they're more likely to happen if we can do it in the context of of, of a larger bill than trying to do just a rifle shot on the FAA. Darren, where do you think of that idea that maybe this concept of can't get it done by itself, but the desire to have an infrastructure bill maybe a place to put this in? Oh, absolutely. I think Elizabeth is absolutely right. Uh, the fact is, is that infrastructure spending is something, an infrastructure just in general, the need for improvement is something that in, in an era of hyper-partisanship receives, <laughs> receives uh, across the board broad bipartisan. It's almost every week that the respective leaders in each chamber talk about, well, if we could only get to infrastructure. Right. They have it in there like talking points. Exactly. No question about it, that it's like number two or three. And I think that this is an, is an infrastructure package in general is something that's going to bring a lot of uh, different factions within the Congress mm-hmm. together to the table, um, because obviously there's a there are priorities on the Democratic side of the aisle for th- things like social infrastructure, schools, hospitals, etc., but then there are priorities on the Republican side within infrastructure, regulatory uh, efficiencies, permitting, streamlining, and all of those priorities, if they get wrapped in this and air traffic control, uh, modernization, if you can mend all of those things into one package, you bring a lot of constituencies uh, to the table who say, I'm going to support this because I get a substantive victory for not only my constituents, but uh, a policy that I think is is is, uh, is beneficial. Let me ask you this, and we'll, we'll maybe close on this, and that if First, as always, uh, it, it, whenever I do these podcasts, we, we have such a, a wealth of information that's delivered here. Hopefully, the listeners absorb it, but also see that, that the broad range of experiences that Brownstein has in just about every issue. And here we're talking about a very specific issue on FAA and, again, showing the knowledge and depth. Um, if, if you were to predict, and I'm going to take one piece of this puzzle. And it's the privatization issue because that's the, you know, of air traffic controllers. Um, and I'll let you give odds rather than a yes or no. Uh, I did that on other podcasts. So in a zero to 100 percent odds, what is the chance that 
that piece a a start of it or all of it of privatization of the air traffic controller system would happen, which has been a debate for many years, many, many decades. Years. I actually, mean, it, it goes back to, yeah to the the Clinton administration. Right. With it's the, not uh, new, exactly. You know, we the Washington's been talking about this topic. Reagan administration when he fired them all. Exactly right. right. You know, uh, <laughs> so. but, but you know, interesting how Washington evolves, right? Because of the fact that even uh, in an environment when it was very contentious and talking about the about the FAA, now the air traffic controllers are and their uh, labor organization are very supportive of this element. A you know being the, driven the, by Republicans. Right. Um, it's but, a very interesting mix. Exactly. You know? So what would you say? On a zero to one hundred percent, what's the chances? You know, I would say uh, we're at sixty percent wow. uh, because of the number. fact. You know, and it, you know, if you remember, Senator, this came up. Uh, the potential for this to come up last Congress happened, and they were stalled because of uh, concerns from conservatives right. in the House conference as well as the tax writers. Uh, and both of those stars actually is looking to align on this bill, just because Kevin Brady, the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, said that some of his concerns have been overcome by. Chairman Schuster's um, approach, on approach this. Yeah. as well as um, this week, Heritage Action uh, said they are going to key vote the FAA uh, reauthorization in the House. Wow. So the fact is, is that a core kind of con- uh, conservative um, leadership organization has said that they are going to sit that that this bill and this vote is a priority for conservatives. So I think that looking at those stars. I think that this uh, this policy is really has a better shot, or the, probably the best shot that it's ever had uh, in so recent 60%. history. Sixty percent, Elizabeth, you're good at not round numbers, so <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so. I I would not argue with Darian. There may be a sixty percent chance of passing the House. If you ask me, what are the chances that this provision gets is in a bill that gets signed into law? I would say the number is six. Percent. Not 60. <laughs> six. Six. I this love it. can't I love pass it. the Senate, I don't believe. Um, and so I think that it is a long shot to get this all the way through the process. I agree with Darian's analysis, but I think that it that really focused more on the House prospects than the overall prospects. And I think it has less support in the Senate. The regional differences are greater in the Senate. And therefore, um, I think it's a long shot that this actually becomes the law wow. of the land. Well, with that, I'm going to ask Darian, does he want to revise his experience based on that analysis that it gets to the Senate, <laughs> to the president's desk? Are you still at 60 percent? I'm going to be the, You're an optimist. I'm an optimist. Okay. Okay. Yeah, optimist from that side. <laughs> yeah, as three folks who, who have an affinity for the Senate, even though, <laughs> uh, right. you know, at, per usual, the Senate Senate is uh, presenting challenges in the legislative process. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to end it. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure to have uh, great talent here at the podcast. So thank you both very much for being here. Thanks, Senator. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Visit www.bhfs.com for more information.